0: Hello and welcome to Ugly the Podcast, as hosted by me, Tills Wills, Tilly Wilson, whatever you want to call me. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about, the title is actually A Hopeless Romantic in Hookup Culture, but I want to preface this by saying that the episode is not entirely about hookup culture because I don't really know too much about it. but it's just life in general as a hopeless romantic, and that if you are a hopeless romantic, I'm going to talk about ways that you can um, express that, other than just in romantic relationships especially because modern day it's kind of hard to find them if you are a hopeless romantic because of your ideals from movies your parents or any type of culture and media that you've got that from but i'm going to talk about just being a hopeless romantic and how that is a beautiful thing and to not stop doing that side note A new addition to every single podcast episode, at the end of every episode there is going to be a film or literature or just culture review where I talk about a specific thing that I'm interested in this week and it's mainly going to be about movies or books and this week it's going to be about Priscilla because I watched it yesterday and I want to talk about it. Side note, if you enjoy these episodes please feel free to rate the podcast, turn notifications on or just follow it if you want to be updated on the weekly releases. Being a hopeless romantic person by definition means that you have a hope in love that will never ever end, no matter what is kind of thrown at them. So for me, being a hopeless romantic, it doesn't just involve romantic relationships. I think of being a hopeless romantic as romanticising your life in general. Wherever I go, I've spoke about this so many times, I try to find a certain romance and a certain beauty in everything that I come across so I think that by doing that, I've just become such a happier person. But to be specific about being a hopeless romantic person in hookup culture started when I moved to university. And I would say that I was probably quite sheltered anyway because I came from like quite a small town and there wasn't, no one was really in a relationship where I kind of lived. Apart from high school, everyone was in relationships then. But anyway, I was in sixth form. When I moved to university and there's obviously this big hookup hook up culture, I was shocked because, first of all, hope is romantic. Second of all, come from a small town, so I was quite sheltered. But this is normal, right? This is so normal to not, and I'm not judging anyone who can, but I couldn't ever do kind of casual thing because I'm such a passionate person. But it is like quite normal for people to kind of have connections with people without actually having a connection. You know, hookup culture is about kind of friends with benefits or. Just kind of seeing someone casually, but not having any feelings behind it. I can't do that because I'm such a passionate, like empathetic and emotional person that if I were to be with someone, it would have to be really, really special, right? And I'm sure that if you're listening to this episode, you probably think the same, because if you're a hopeless romantic person, that's kind of the ideal that you have. And this is in no way, shape or form judgment to anyone that can do casual. I'm just saying that I I bloody can't, right? But in this hookup culture, I felt this pressure to change. Because when I would have these big emotions and these big feelings, and whether that was directed to someone specifically, it would always be met by the kind of like, oh, God, you need to, like, maybe stop being too passionate. Like, you need to just kind of cool it down, like, play hard to get. And then from the play hard to get thing, you've got the Timed responses being like, oh, if, if they reply within like 10 minutes, you need to reply to her in like 20 minutes. You know, you're also then met with kind of don't be too overbearing and don't show them that you like them too much because then they'll get uninterested and then they'll get the the ick, the ick. OK, I can I've got the ick before, so I can't really judge that phrase. But there's all these rules and reg- regimented kind of system that you have to go about in a modern day relationship or oh my god situationship you guys know how much I hate that phrase but it's kind of the time responses and you have to play hard to get you don't you can't really show them that you like them that much when you're out you need to kind of make them jealous and you need to not kind of spend too much time with them and there's all these rules you need to follow and it stressed me out but I felt the need to change I felt this pressure to change because I'm like okay maybe I'm the only person I felt like the only person that felt like a hopeless romantic because everyone else around me they could do casual but I didn't want to I did. it's not that I couldn't do it because I don't know whether I can do it but I just don't want to like I have no interest in doing that because that's just not what I want so I tried to change myself and I tried to be like okay no like stop being hopeless romantic for five minutes and just try and play it cool I tried to be this cool girl who didn't feel anything that could just I went out all the time and I tried to be like, okay, so if you like someone, you need to just, like, not show them at all. But deep down, I was like, I'm the type of person, if I like someone, I want to tell them, right? <clears throat> Pardon me. got a little cough. But if I want to tell someone, I will tell someone. And even though, because I have the mentality that if I told someone I love them and they don't say it back, I've stayed true to myself and I've told them I love them. That's, I hope, it's romantic, right? But in this culture, I felt the pressure to just be a different person, and to never tell someone that I like them. And then I started to change, and then came the fallout of, I forgot about things that I was passionate about, and things that I loved. For example, my fashion sense, it's totally different than it is now, because I started dressing in accordance to the person I was becoming. I stopped reading books, because I like, kind of stopped being a hopeless romantic, and I started abiding by this culture of playing hard to get. I stopped having my passion for films because my passion for films comes from the romantic romantic, romanticizing kind of watching them and writing reviews about them but I lost my love for that because I was playing it cool and I was being really chill and really like you know laid back and stuff like that and I just didn't do anything you know I lost my love for so many things by not being hopeless romantic and that's how important it is is that it's not just romantic relationships stopping being a hopeless romantic stops every single aspect of your life that you romanticize. I noticed also a big impact in my mental health because when I stopped being a hopeless romantic, that is a personality trait of mine. That is embedded within my own personal culture. And I don't mean culture as in like, I'm actually 50% Irish. I mean culture as in every piece of media that I've ever consumed. And I talk about this a lot in terms of fashion because I was talking to my mum the other day about being a little bit upset about something to do with fashion I'm not going to go directly into it and I was saying to my mum like it may not be a big thing for someone else but I think that someone's personal style is a um culture is a cultivation is that the word I don't know what the word is a- accumulation of the media they've consumed the films that they watch the books that they read the places they've traveled the things that they love what they listen to what they drink you know how they decorate their room every way that you present yourself to the world is an accumulation of your personality and who you are as a person therefore when i stopped being a hopeless romantic to kind of fit into this kind of culture of society that i'd moved to i had lost my sense of style and i'd lost anything that i was passionate about because i am a hopeless romantic it is a part of my own culture it's like think of it what are those they're not like bubble diagrams you know those spider diagrams where you like draw the little bubbles around it i don't know i'm gonna put up a picture on my instagram story in a minute no context and be like anyone listens to the podcast um imagine a spider diagram right at the very top of it is hopeless romantic and there are brackets coming off it if you know what I mean, brackets light arrows arrows coming off of it into certain into style into music into films so i was turning into someone that i wasn't and i was so unhappy and it affected my mental health because i was like i don't know who i am anymore i don't find any romance in movies music my style and i was so unhappy And then I started to kind of get angry at myself and then start being mean to myself. And I fell into this state of, I wouldn't say depression, but I was just really miserable because I wasn't being who I am. Literally imagine someone coming into your room, taking away your clothes, taking away your books, taking away your films, or I know it probably like is on people's iPads and stuff like that, but taking away anything that you hold dear to you as the way that you look and giving you just like random stuff. That's how I felt, and that's how I was. And it sounds very dramatic, but when I started to kind of play it cool and to start being like super chill and just being like everyone else, I lost an essence of myself that I didn't realize was such a big part of my personality. My advice to you is even though it might feel like a little bit of pressure when your inner society that kind of tells you to play it cool and to play hard to get and to not be so passionate and not tell them all these things and you know be just cool in general not cool as in like she's so cool but as in like cool as in like cool you know what I mean that's how he it's so weird just be yourself stay true to yourself even if that means that you might tell someone you might tell your partner oh I love you and they might not say it back okay. You. That's how you feel. Humans are meant to feel. We are meant to have these crazy whirlwind emotions, and whether that's for someone else or whether that's for yourself, you're meant to feel. It makes me so sad to hear people talking about like, oh, I'm not going to reply to him or I'm not going to reply to her for another ten minutes because uh, she took an hour to reply to me, so I'm going to leave her undelivered for a whole day. What? Like. If you like someone, tell them. If you're in love with someone, show them. There is absolutely nothing wrong with feeling something for someone. And if they don't feel it back, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that you're lacking. There's nothing that you should be doing to make yourself a better version of yourself for someone else. If someone doesn't like you, whether that's platonically or romantic, that's nothing to do with you. That is their own burden and their own loss. That's just because they have a different type of outlook on life that you don't align with. If you're a hopeless romantic person and someone doesn't like you, they're definitely not your type of person because that means they're not a hopeless romantic person, right? All I'm saying is that if you feel something for someone, if that's love or if that's just admiration for someone or even if you just like their outfit, tell them. The best thing that you can do for your own mental health and for your own peace of mind and your own happiness is to try and be as authentically yourself as you can. And that begins with listening to your body and listening to your mind as well in your heart. If your heart is telling you, okay, I, I really like this person, but they don't like me back, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you are lacking something. That doesn't mean that you're not good enough for them it doesn't mean that you're not good enough for anyone it just means that you're not their person and that's okay it just means that you are going to find someone so much better and someone that's going to give you that feeling of absolute love and they're going to reciprocate that hopeless romantic emotion just because someone may not like you back doesn't mean that you're not an amazing person It just means that there's someone out there better suited for you and better for you in general. If someone in a friendship doesn't recognise that you're very emotional and sensitive, because I feel as if hopeless romantics are, set boundaries in place that kind of tell them, okay, you don't understand why I'm feeling this way, but you need to let me feel this way. And also set boundaries with yourself. If you are a very sensitive person and you are um, a total hopeless romantic, set boundaries with yourself where you're like okay to be a hopeless romantic means that I need to because I think as well with myself whenever I feel down because now I know that being a hopeless romantic person is just part of who I am when I don't embed that hopeless romantic culture into my day-to-day life I do feel a little bit lost in myself and part of that hopeless romantic culture can literally be watching a new film or reading a book or uh, trying a new makeup routine or just figuring out my own personal sense of style or decorating my room. Whatever it is, whatever your outlet of being a romantic is, try and embed it in your everyday life. But I cannot put emphasis more on the fact that if you are in this kind of hookup culture or you're in the culture of playing playing it cool with someone, if you feel something, if you feel an emotion, that is a good thing that's an amazing thing it just shows that you're a human humans are meant to feel humans are meant to be sad and happy and joyful and in love and be heartbroken but see it as a journey see it as a process and don't beat yourself up along the way if you like someone and they don't like you back that's fine learn from it grow from it heal from it and if you like someone and they like you back and you just don't end up together that's okay It just means that you're not going to end up together, and that's as simple as that. You're going to find someone that's going to give you the most amazing love and the most incredible hopeless romantic affection, but it's just not right now. There are so many ways to express being a hopeless romantic because, I don't know, immediately people assume that it is to do with romantic relationships being a hopeless romantic, which it is, technically it is, but also Again, as I said, hope, being a hopeless romantic goes hand in hand with romanticising your life. Therefore, to kind of as- express this hopeless romantic feeling, because again, as I said, people are meant to feel, watch old Hollywood romance movies. If you want to have a star on that, watch like Alfred Hitchcock movies or I don't know, just Marilyn Monroe movies. Watch anything that is just such an ode to romance. And I personally, I I haven't experienced romance in a, in a very long time like I experience it vicariously through like say seeing my parents marriage is so beautiful and my sister's in an amazing marriage that she's been in with for like um, nearly a decade now they've been together since they were like 14 and I can see that and that's how I know that like it's real you know but if you don't have that exact feeling of being with someone you can also express being hopeless romantic just by yourself you know buy yourself flowers treat yourself as if You're the romantic partner that you want, you know. If you are sat in bed thinking, like, oh my god, I really wish that someone would buy me flowers, I wish someone would write me letters and poetry and buy me gifts or spend time with me, do those exact same things with yourself. When I'm feeling kind of, I don't know, I don't, I never really get that feeling of like, oh my god, I wish I was in a relationship, you know, and maybe that's an issue we need to talk about on a different time, but say if I ever did the first thing that I would do would be like, I'd go and get myself flowers. I'd go out for a coffee date by myself. I would walk to the beach. I would take myself out for lunch. I'd write myself poetry. I'd journal in my book. I'd watch my favorite film. I'd do all my favorite films or do all my favorite films, do all my favorite things even, or just do things in general that you'd associate with being in a romantic relationship and just spend time with yourself. Because being a hopeless romantic doesn't mean that you have to exclude yourself from the picture. Just spend time with yourself and be romantic with yourself. Take yourself out on dates. Buy yourself flowers. It doesn't have to be big things. It can literally be writing poetry or, I don't know, going out for a drink with yourself. There's nothing sad about that. I used to be so fearful of doing anything alone. And when obviously I started going out and getting coffee by myself and reading a book by myself, now... I'd be more than happy to go for dinner by myself. I haven't done it yet, but I will one day just to experience it. Probably do a YouTube video on it because I'm I want to get back into YouTube. And that's part of my romanticizing my life because that's something I know that will make me happy. So that's an example of just doing things in your head that you're telling yourself, okay, I really want to do this i absolutely adore films in general i mean i obviously studied film and i've done a film episode before but it's one of my main passions i'd say it's like my second biggest passion so i wanted to make the end of this episode directed towards movies or books but i think that it's mainly going to be towards movies but today's one that i'm going to talk about is priscilla i watched priscilla last night was it as good as people were telling me it was no, because I'm very naive when someone tells me that a film is amazing. I immediately assume it's like a, a 10 out of 10, you know what I mean? On IMDb, 100%, you know what I mean? I mean, Coppola has an arguably style no substance auteur direction in her films. I thoroughly like her directorial style. I watched um, The Virgin Suicides, which I really enjoyed. But was Priscilla as good? I mean... Priscilla was an exception? No, it was beautifully captured. And I adored how the loneliness of Priscilla was emulsified through the use of or like lack of sound. For example, whenever Elvis was in the picture of the scene, the scene was loud and it was full of life. But when he was absent, the scene was literally silent. Like there was no music, no company, it was just Priscilla. And I think that that beautifully captured how whenever he was in her life, it was like, oh, they're they're doing pills and they're going to Vegas and they're partying and there are friends around and they're having fun and, you know, but when he wasn't in the picture, she was stuck in Graceland. She had no life. She had to do what he said. She was like his little puppet, for example. If he told her, oh, I want you to do your makeup this way, I want you to do your hair this way, she was like, okay, 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 you know? And it was really sad because whenever it was just Priscilla, I mean, Kaylee Spaney did an incredible job because she had obviously she did have quite a lot of dialogue but compared to like an average film about anything else she had little to minimal dialogue but she told the story incredibly just through her face like say there was a scene for example where they sat down at the table and everyone was around the table and the camera panned to a close-up shot of just priscilla and everyone in the background was talking about something and she would kind of laugh intermittently because she wouldn't know what they're talking about and it was sad because it's that understandable feeling of being in a room of people where you're kind of the exception you're just there because you know someone in the room you're not actually being listened to you're just there because someone else is invited you not because everyone actually wants you there the film to me felt as if something was missing and i don't know whether this was purposely done to kind of show that, like under Elvis's royal status in America and his royal status in the world, Priscilla was a supporting character in her own narrative. She had minimal story to tell other than Elvis's legacy and how this impacted her marriage. I suppose the weird thing that I found about Priscilla well, not weird, but I found it cap capture, cal, cult. oh what's the word captivating was the universal feeling and the universal like feminine connection to Priscilla. I cannot relate to a single thing that she has experienced because everyone's experiences are unique. Specifically, you know, she's Priscilla Presley. Of course, I can't relate to her. She married Elvis Presley. She lived this very luxury royal life. However, there is this universal connection, not through her like trials and tribulations, but through a man. The recognition of yearning for someone that you're like, why am I not enough? She did everything and anything to be his girl, to be everything that he wanted her to be. But she just yearned for him because she was like, why, why am I not enough? What am I not doing that you could possibly be looking for in other women? I enjoyed the film because I think Sophia Coppola captures the feminine condition if you will kind of Simone de Beauvoir reference perfectly through the lens of like a a blurred very muted quiet uh directorial style I enjoyed the capturing of Priscilla constantly as the main feature because obviously if you compare it to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis which is so camp it's so out there it's so loud in your face The stark contrast between both films, even in the sense of the way Elvis was all about montages and it was like paying homage to Elvis and his brilliance in this film, when Elvis was on screen, he was kind of obviously this larger than life presence because Jacob Elordi is six foot five. (coughs) Oh my God. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't get over him. Anyway, he was this larger than life presence. And I think that that was... Perfectly casted because does Jacob Elordi look exactly identical to Elvis Presley? No, no one does, right? But the height difference of like six foot five Jacob Elordi to I think Kaylee Spaney is 4'11 if not five foot just absolutely encapsulated the age difference. And anytime like he would go and hug her, he would go and kiss her, he'd have to like bend down. And whenever she'd like the comparison of their hands, for example just showed that she was just a little girl she was just a young girl who kind of would go and the the use of the um the script i noticed there's one scene where she's like well i'm not going when her voice is so childlike and she does have this babyish kind of face which is absolutely gorgeous but it just it was kind of heartbreaking to watch the film and see that because you do recognize like she's just a girl very quiet and just, she's just so small. She's just a girl. And there's all of a sudden this bloody like, rise of biopics. Like there's just the surge of biopics everywhere. There's a, I saw there was a trailer for a Bob Marley one. There was a trailer for that Amy Winehouse one, which I, I don't want an Amy Winehouse biopic. Leave her alone. I love Amy Winehouse so much. She doesn't need a biopic. All her songs were directly an expression of what she was going through anyway. So why do people need to constantly be retelling her story to profit? You know, she she's had that documentary by um, Ace of Kapadia, which is amazing. It's just titled Amy. And I'm pretty sure her family, they didn't like it because it portrayed them in a bad light. But it was true to what was going on, if you know what I mean. I don't understand this surge of biopics because, I don't know, are people too lazy to make a new script? Are they too scared to kind of make something that people won't be interested in? Do people go to biopics because of the the term celebrity I was talking about the other day with my granddad and he was like, I hate the term celebrity because they're just people. But there's such a big uh, culture around the term celebrity and just normal people, I would say, like me and you. Because everyone wants to know what's going on in their life. They want to have a piece of their life for themselves. They think that that celebrity owes it to them to tell their story. For example, Ariana Grande, she had that affair with that guy, which I absolutely do not agree with. I think that cheating is disgusting. But if you think about it, she's just a normal person. She doesn't owe it to anyone to tell everyone every single little detail. I totally don't agree with what she's done because she's ruined a family you know she split apart a marriage that's horrendous but does she do celebrities owe it to the public to tell their story I get that biopics might be like an ode to that celebrity in general for example Elvis by Baz Luhrmann. that was yeah that was a good film but to pick apart biopics for example Amy Winehouse biopic she didn't passed away you know decades ago Elvis passed away I don't know I don't know the exact date but to kind of pick apart at people's tragedies to profit from them when they passed away only a little while ago to me it just seems like vultures you know leave their legacy alone people know who they are people know Amy Winehouse's songs they know her legacy so why do they need to I don't know, discover something they already know. And those people behind the film profit from it. I don't know, because I I went to watch the Priscilla biopic. I have watched a couple of biopics in my life, so I can't really pick apart the people that are doing it, because obviously Hollywood needs to make its money. Do I agree with it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I just don't see this need for all these biopics of people's lives, specifically ones that have ended tragically, where they're not here to kind of... Decide whether this biopic can or cannot be made, you know? I think that Priscilla was such a beautiful film, and I think that it was perfectly made because it was the, you know, the encapsulation of Priscilla's life to a T. You know, it was all the way that it was filmed was like a very childlike way, and people said that the ending of the film, where she was leaving, there's this kind of close-up of her in the car and she's leaving the gates of um graceland and there's over the radio um dolly partons i will always love you the way that priscilla was leaving the kind of gates of graceland seemed very like the child's like um vision that you would see freedom as you see it as like driving away in a car into the sunset you know that's again it just every single aspect of the film highlighted the fact that she was only a young girl And I think that the way that the film was actually shot in terms of the directorial style, everything was incredibly close up when it was just Priscilla. But when Elvis was in the picture, it was very far away, almost as if when she was alone, she was herself, but she was just very kind of trapped. And whenever she was in Graceland, it was always kind of felt claustrophobic, really, from the audience to the screen when Elvis was in the picture it was very fast paced and it was very far away so you could get the picture that when he was here so was everyone else it wasn't just him and Priscilla it was all of his friends as well and all of his family and every every other circus that was going on in their life but the fact that there was very little to no montages and also I just want to talk about the use of sound or the all the lack of sound actually You could, you could literally, you could not ignore the lack of sound or the use of sound in this film because I noticed that everyone barely could like touch their snacks because the film was just so quiet. And when it wasn't quiet was when Elvis was on the screen and everyone like, like literally quickly just tried to eat their popcorn and eat their snacks. But within five seconds, the music was gone and she was by herself again. And Elvis was back on screen like five minutes later and the music was loud and everyone was talking and there was loads of people in the scene and everyone was eating their popcorn and then he was gone in five seconds. It was amazing. I did really enjoy the film. Did I think it was like the best Sophia Coppola film? Um, no. Did I think it was incredible, amazing, showstopping, beautiful, talented? Yes. But it wasn't a 10-10 for me. But that's just because I'm very picky. thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that it's helped you in some way. If you did enjoy it, please feel free to drop me a message or ask me any questions if you ever need any help on anything. And if you wanted to, you could rate the podcast, turn your notifications on because I'll be uploading weekly. I love you so much. Bye. Mm -hmm.